And I have travelled halfway across the country today to record this podcast. I'm Stuart Webb, and I can't do it alone, though. I need two people to be the Mulder and Scully to my assistant director, Skinner. So, awkwardly squeezing their own breasts on the cover of a 1990s lads mag, it's Tom! (laughs) I remember the early 90s. (laughs) That's great. If you were on the cover of uh, FHM, I imagine you would. Yes, it's... That'll be a memorable experience for you. <laughs> and deeply scared by the number of space above and beyond fans out there who obsessive over their 30-second role in that series, it's Marion. Hi. I've no idea what you just said, but hi. Uh, that David Duchovny space above and beyond joke was mainly for my sister-in-law. Yeah, that'll make her happy. You can stop listening now, Amanda. It's, you've had your 30 seconds of fame there. And today we are talking about the uh, parts two and three of The Dying of Light, issues 51 and 52 with Transformers more than meets the eye. But first, first, I'd like to briefly touch upon something we talked about last time, but I don't think there's an opportunity to talk about these two issues because we don't go back to the lost lights of them. For those of you at home, if you go and listen to the Orbital Comics podcast, uh, that James Roberts did after the signing a few weeks ago. In it, he's asked several times, because it was quite a hot and confused room, although I wasn't there for the, for the interview bit, uh, it was very hot and confusing earlier in the day, so people seem to have got a bit mental in there. But if you listen to that, he's asked several times whether the entire crew were in on it with Getaway and did they know about the DJD. And he fairly emphatically says they're all in on it and they all knew about the DJD. Do you think then... Uh, that is one of his famous lies, or would you say that, that changes your opinion of what we saw last issue? Fibbing. He's fibbing. I, I think he's fibbing. I think, yeah, it just, it just seems like too much of an obvious storytelling potential for conflict. There is conflict amongst the mutineers, and there's a story in that. See, I, I would agree with you two, but in other points about podcasts, when he's asked questions... Moments where he's obviously being evasive and lying. The drift of ratchet question you know, obviously stands out. Does it come across as a terribly good poker player? Because he, uh, he goes, well, ooh, you'll have to see. Or every time he's asked the, the question about the crew vote, straight in, yes, they're all in on it. And he sounds a lot more certain than he does at other points during that question. So I'm, I'm not sure myself now. Uh, well, well, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, that was last month, this month. Or rather, the next subsequent two months, uh, it's all about uh, Team Rodimus and their horrible situation that they are uh, trapped in. Uh, so we start off pretty much where we left off last issue with the Decepticons attacking the fortress, and conveniently, rather than killing everybody in order to make it six issues, they give them a deadline of eight hours. Uh, there were some complaints of people about how it's a bit too convenient for the DJD are holding back. I think this fits in with their established behaviour, though. Uh, would you two say that? Yeah, I mean, the idea that they are following the script that Megatron gave them and the fact that they're doing this one by the book, that they would do that to Megatron. I think that's convincing. On the other hand, knowing that Tarn 
knows that Skids is in there. I suppose he thinks he's already killed Skids. I don't know. But you wouldn't really leave someone like Skids with eight hours to come up with a plan. And you certainly wouldn't leave Brainstorm with eight hours to come up with a plan. And I guess they know. But I guess they also think Brainstorm's dead. Oh, uh, I'll, I'll let it pass. They do know who's in there, though, because later Tarn is quite mocking of who's in there. He's going, there's a Minimo surgeon and a Minibot and a... I presume he gets away told them who they, who they were sending. Yeah. Tom says, let them panic and argue, let them lose themselves in a frenzy of reproach and so on, uh, which is not what they do at all. And then he very specifically says that he doesn't think much about any of them. And this is, I think, where Tan is going to go very wrong because he's, you know, underestimating them. And he maybe has a reason to be underestimating them. I mean, he's killed them once already. So he knows how that played out. <laughs> but he ignores things about the um, the ceiling, the storm shield generator. He's, he's just, you know, he's not really, he's not thinking this through very well. I guess he's just focused on Megatron, right? Mm, yes. But they don't normally deal with Autobots either, the DJD, I suppose. So they're not used to more traditional combat situations. They're going up against like one rogue Decepticon rather than a group of uh, group of Autobots. Yeah, you would kind of think you would put Deathsaurus in charge because uh, he's probably got more military experience. And he seems a bit confused by... He's definitely questioning Tarn, isn't he? Hmm. And he'd be much better at keeping an eye on things as well. Aye, because of his eyes? He's got more eyes? Yes. Well, no, that's explained the joke there. Thank you. Thank you. I had to make sure it wasn't a <laughs> reference to the X-Files. <laughs> Screw Getaway. Screw Getaway. I'm delighted that Getaway is getting a toy and that he's getting a, <laughs> there's a, Rodim- a new Rodimus uh, Prime toy and I can have them kiss. <laughs> You make all your toys kiss, Tom. <laughs> and uh, surely if you're going to make two toys kiss, it should be Ultra Magnus and Megatron. Uh, yeah, but they probably want to. <laughs> Take your Dominus Ambus out. And, uh, no, let's not go for crude innuendo here. And uh, we get uh, cheery skits here. He's being very optimistic about the situation again. He's being his usual skit self. It's like, oh, we can do this. We've got solutions. We can, you know, find weapons and plan our escape, and it's all going to be fine. It's like an experienced D&D player. <laughs> yeah, I've not thought about uh, thought about skids much of this because he doesn't. Uh, it's mainly about focusing uh, on another character's across this. But you're right there. It's uh, an interesting take because uh, I suppose the more obvious thing to do with skids would be to have him absolutely crapping himself about being up against Tarn again after what we saw in that uh, most flashbacks hmm. uh oh whatever does he remember no that? he doesn't remember no, no, he doesn't, he doesn't, no he doesn't that's why he's cheerful sorry yes i was gonna say it's an, an interesting thing to do the opposite but no it's because he doesn't remember so that would have been a stupid thing to say i'm glad i didn't say that <laughs> i guess he's going to remember and uh, then he will be less cheerful uh, of course speaking of rodimus he's a bit of a dick to 10 mm. uh when he's because uh, you picked up on the flowers last issue, Tom. I think uh, you are the 10 of this podcast. So well done. Uh, 10? <laughs> <laughs> well, we listened to you. We said you were right. I didn't tell you to go fuck yourself. Not that time, anyway. <laughs> and, oh, 
Uh, going on to the next page, uh, the, the bodies on the wall, we were right about that. I think that was you, Marion, wasn't it, who uh, said there was some significance to the, to the miners' bodies? Well, yeah, I think we all wondered about what they might be, uh, but I, I was nowhere near guessing what they turned out to be. Yeah, that's really cool. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's a genuinely great idea. Uh, that makes sense in terms of Tarn and like calls back to some nice little threads of Terminus and kind of gets Terminus back in there without having to put him on, having to flashback or anything. I'm really impressed by that idea. Uh, he, <laughs> in 39, when he's handed the revised towards piece, he says, I've got the first edition mounted on my wall. How good is that? Oh, wow, that was way back. Yeah. Oh, so, oh, geez. We could have put that. We could have put that together. Oh, well played. <laughs> it's uh, a poor old Terminus. Uh, Tarn is the only one who remembers him, uh, and I think this pretty much because one of the theories about Tarn was that he was Terminus. Uh, that was like one of the four or five people fans thought Tarn most likely would be, and I think this. Well, later dialogue pretty much kills that as well. But this is the first hint, but he's definitely not Terminus. Yeah. Uh, poor old forgotten Terminus. He's. He doesn't deserve to be relegated just because he was a mildly crap Doctor Who story. He's better than that. He deserves to be remembered. Um, what do we think has happened to Terminus? Because Megatron, you know, he very specifically says he taught me not to get attached. Um, he's a brush matter history, as Tom puts it. What could he have possibly done that Megatron thought was so horrible? Well, I suppose the obvious one is that he would have signed up with the Autobots at some point, or... Hmm. But then I suppose if you also bought Sad Megatron's old mate, they'd have made yeah, uh, I... more of a fuss of that. Uh, told that... him he was an naughty boy. Uh, yeah, that, that it might be something along those lines. I don't know. It seems very obvious that, yeah, he would have later have become an antagonist. But I don't know. I, I think it works. This might not be the case. I'm sure, you know, everything's very ambiguous, so I'm sure there's, there's room for more to go in there. But it, it really does work that just because, because Megatron chose... His writing, he gathered up all of his, his pads uh, when Brainstorm came to visit and left Terminus there. It seemed to be that forever after he was justifying to himself that decision by forcing himself to become very cold and erasing Terminus from the dedication, uh, you know, ever since. And that, I don't know, I feel that is enough uh, from Terminus. I, I'll, I'll, I'll stand corrected when, of course, he comes back. But um, We don't know what happened to him, though, do we? He vanished. Yeah, or got blown up. I just had a thought that uh, maybe complete rubbish, but in that issue, of course, Megatron had just had his memories mucked about with. Could that have done something to his recall? or it, uh, Which also creates a parallel with Roller, because the last time anybody saw him, Optimus Prime had just had his memories mucked about with as well. Hmm. And ah. that, those were their two respective best friends. Uh, the last day each one saw the other, they had had someone mucking about with their head. Hmm. Maybe Roller and Terminus are off, you know, having drifty, ratchety adventures somewhere. <laughs> Trading quick. Against genericons. <laughs> the source indicates that his troops may not be very happy with the situation. Yeah. This may be coming back. Well, yeah, I mean, Desaurus is like the regional one in this partnership. I think uh, Tarn is in the verge of a massive nervous breakdown. As we'll, as we'll see as we get further into these two issues, that he's a 
uh, affected his judgment quite badly. Mm. I like that. I like that there is a role for a reasonable Decepticon leader around, and that they, of course, those are the guys who have gone off on their own. Mm. Don't know if Tan's losing at this point. I mean, we know that he's cracking, but at this point, he's still just following the script. Mm. He is knocking uh, back. I guess that's Nuke. Can you drink Nuke? No, you don't drink Nuke, do you? You go in that weird back mm. to tank. Good point. I guess it's just someone's blood, someone's in the most energy. Yeah, something like vintage. It's a, it's a vase. It's just not got any flowers in it. We haven't had time to go pick at it. It's Drinking a very the fancy decanter again. It's got a, like a, an elaborate shape. He really, he really likes his impressive uh, his distilleries, those old times. He does. I like the little mask clicky thing. He doesn't have to take the whole mask off to have a drink. Oh, yes. <laughs> Clicks it off a little bit, has a sip on them, puts it back down. I guess that's just maybe to remind us that it's ugly. at this point. Hmm. Or maybe to answer the question, how does Tarn have a drink? Which we were all asking repeatedly. I'm like, I know I was, yes. <laughs> Somebody would have been asking that. Yeah, I'm uh, sitting there in that, in that Schindler's List scene uh, in, in the previous issue, just like, you know... He, he, he incinerates a lot of people, but how does he how does he drink his squash? Behind his uh, his party mask. <laughs> uh, so the next page is from dis- uh, discovering the, the Necrobot's uh, dirty secret. Was anybody expecting the Necrobot to have a dirty secret? Not nope. not this kind of secret, no. Yeah, it's a sort of interesting time back into. Uh, a previous plot line I wasn't expecting to re- be revisited in this storyline. I thought we wouldn't see any of this uh, mysterious organic body stuff until the next time we saw the scavengers. Because mm. uh, it felt like very much their storyline. So, it's, uh, is it... so do we think then the Necrobot is dodging? Or that the people who are collecting the organic bodies for whatever reason are not as evil as perhaps we first thought? The pods, very, very similar, but they're not identical. The only reason why I'm making a point of this is because there's a point made about the knights potentially being different tribes, uh, not all one thing. Or maybe they are just, you know, there's just decorative differences and they are all one and the same. But um, they're not identical in any case. The organics in the pods don't seem to be identical either. In this one, they've got these metal things on top of their hands that we haven't seen before like a skeleton kind of thing because we see hands in the last scavengers issue as well and that's not there so maybe it's just slightly different types of experiments or maybe they're not entirely the same or they're further along oh yeah yeah and uh, the reason why we think those guys are up to no good is because first we see the the very creepy decepticon ship that we assume is again the same guys the experiments are going on in there you know ceilings full of brains blood on the walls it doesn't look like a good kind of um, lab and obviously the implication is that they are being supplied by um oh, uh... yes uh, they're being supplied by him and we know how he gets his bit so yeah we, i think we've had plenty of reason to think the guys are up to no good by now I can totally see the Necrobot being in with a rival tribe of the Knights, maybe a nicer tribe, trying to beat the the baddies at their own game or trying to just sort of uh, replicate their experiments to see what it is they're up to. Yeah, I don't necessarily think the Knights are behind this. 
but it just feels like we could be looking at slightly different things than we think we are. It'd be interesting what that would do tonight, beat if the Necrobot was not quite what he seemed. Uh, that could dent his faith again. But yeah, it's it's interesting. But they do sort of deflect it when uh, I think it's Cyclonus and uh, Telgate talking, and one of them goes, "So why why are they here?" The one just goes, "Who cares?" So that makes it seem to me perhaps we won't be exploring that in any more depth in this story. Yeah, it's, uh, not, it's not up to them. I guess the, the scavengers will pick it up. There is one little rant I would like to have about the page where they find the teleport and when Rodimus is at the top holding about 10 tablets. And okay. that is a very Star Trek thing. You've all the shows for the next generation. Everybody has 50 tablets each. They don't just have one tablet so they can look at anything on. Anytime they want to look at one thing, they go get a new tablet to look at it. <laughs> and they hand each other a dozen of tablets. It's like, send them a file. <laughs> so one of us should have one tablet. The other is just all send the information to. It's a huge waste of resources that he has to hold about six of them. Needlessly, it's less advanced of the technology we have now. That'd be like me having... Well, actually, I am holding two tablets right now because I'm reading the comics off one, so I've sort of killed my own argument there. If I had another one for doing something else on, uh, it would be silly. Uh, well, yeah, Wouldn't want to be getting an episode of Star Trek when they hear this. It's, They've all got computer brains. There's no reason them to be looking at anything um, <laughs> in their heads. So I can I can appreciate the visual metaphor of them sorting through many, many bit, many reams of data uh, by them having many tablets. Obviously, that's, that's a big motive issue. But the second most important thing then is the stale going conversation where they find this conveniently low powered magic door. But presumably there were other ones there, because if Necrobot uh, was able to go anywhere, wasn't he? So presumably he had a lot of equipment. But this seems to be the only one that's working anyway, for, for the convenience of a plot. Mm-hmm. And do they get run off to the nearest asteroid and call for help, or uh, stay and defend the squishy creatures that they found? And I, I would say this is sort of a heart of the issue here. And uh, what do we think of this scene? Uh, I love it. I think uh, I think it's it's very credible to give the heroes an escape route, but they don't take it because they're heroes. And it's a great it's 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 just a custom made moment for Megatron to finally take his stand. And like, do you stay or do you go? It, it just comes down to something as simple as that. Uh, I think it's a really nice uh, magic trick. I like that it's the reverse of Slaughterhouse. Yes, yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, there's a visual cue to Slaughterhouse as well when Rodimus touches the Autobot symbol on his chest which is the opposite of what Skids was doing. Skids was accusingly telling him you're not doing what you're wearing justice. Uh, Rodimus is tactfully or rather you know discreetly saying you know well done that that was an Autobot thing to say. Of course doesn't change the fact that he's just condemned everyone to death and uh, Rodimus gives him a look at the end of that, which pretty much says, yeah, that was the right thing to say. However, I think we've just killed everyone. Mm. And I don't understand for the life of me why they can't just send some people, (laughs) maybe people who are not particularly good at fighting anyway, on the off chance that they might get through to somebody and they might get help. It just feels... mm. That is... That's the one thing I... You're saying everything I was going to say. It's, oh, I've got nothing to say now. Well, <laughs> um, also, you've got a quantum go-anywhere machine. That's a weapon. 
it, it can't it, it can't well, teleport you to Cybertron, but it can teleport something inside Han's head. Wow, that's dark. There's <laughs> enough head explosions in recent Transformers comics. You can't. <laughs> yeah, you could take out you could take out 500 Decepticons with that. You could just te- if you could teleport the if you could get like a, just a big rock. You could just drop it from orbit on their base. You could kill everyone with that thing. But you don't know how it works. If it works anything like the rod pod's teleportation, where it has a safety mechanism so it never lands anywhere near anything. Brainstorm could... Uh, he could get rid of any safety mechanism. Oh, Brainstorm just wants to run away, though. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean... I suppose you could assume there's something that would stop it beaming things into people's heads uh, for safety. Uh, but yeah, because they're planning to escape with it, I didn't understand why they wouldn't send one person to make that space call just in case we're able to hold off that long or they can get help from somebody else quicker. That would have made... Send Rewind, because his database is supposed to be very important anyway. Mm. And, uh, he's a bit cavalier of an issue as well, but he's like, neither me or Chrome know we're going to leave. And I was like, well, you really shouldn't be looking after that database, man, if you're just going to throw yourself into constant danger. It's that important. Anyway, but uh, yeah, send, uh, send rewind or send ten, because nobody's listening to ten anyway. You can call for help from the tenites. Maybe give him a tape recording of a message you want to send, and uh, as a backup plan, yeah, that, that seemed odd. There wasn't at least a hand wave of why. Well, I, I feel that they at least explain it. Nobody wants to go. Brainstorm wants to go. Even the one who would go, yes, I'll go call for help. I assume lot do this thing. Because it would give him the option of do, leaving without looking like a coward as well. But he, I mean, he, he's given the option. He doesn't take it. Anybody raise their hand? He doesn't raise his hand. That's which... uh, Actually, that's not fair. But one of them doesn't go because they're all idiots. That's, <laughs> that's a simple explanation. You're going to be brave rather than do the sensible things. I feel they could have been ordered to. I feel this would have been a leadership decision. Mm. I don't think it would have been a case of volunteering. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, to 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 make the point, because again, you know, this is really all about Megatron. It's not really about them. If Megatron's going to do it, then we're going to do it. But yeah, Romulus could totally go. Okay, Chrome Dome, rewind, get out of here. You're useless. Um. <laughs> <laughs> is Chrome Dome here? Is he having a nap? Oh no, he hasn't gone for his nap yet. No, he's in the crowd. It's, yeah. It's, uh, and then Swerve has a good idea. Good on him. Yes. I mean, what I liked about reading these two issues back to back is that this is 51, uh, because 52, a lot of the characters don't appear in 52 or don't say anything. Mm. Uh, so, but this issue is very good at giving everyone their little moments before 52 goes to focus on the other things. Uh, that's. Uh, quite nicely uh, done. That is, in fact, yes, sort of a start of an idea and needs everybody else to come up with the actual plan of how it'll work. <laughs> hmm. I like how everyone's true to character. You get one line out of most people, but it's very true to character. So, you know, Will is sort of like, are we just going to sit here and do nothing? You know, he's itching for a fight. Uh, Cyclonus is sort of like listening to other people but not making any decisions by himself, but like trying to assess the situation calmly. He got Tailgate, who is trying to be kind of optimistic about it, but saying, oh, maybe they've gone away, you know, it's all going to be fine and things like that. And um, Swerve who comes up with something randomly. And it's not the first time I think he's done this. Uh, when he's not panicking, I think he can be quite useful. I hadn't realised, but he's panicking at the start of the issue, but then when Velocity asks him to have a look at the Necrobot's body, he kind of focuses a bit on that, and then he kind of calms down. Swerve? Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, he gets to be a metallurgist. Yeah, but it seems to get him out of his blind panic, uh, the fact that he has something, like, to think about. And, you know, a, a key for a secret door, that's a quest. Yeah, it is a quest. <laughs> Absolutely. A mystery. There is a mystery and a quest. Yeah, all good oh, stuff. Now, I'm confused about this point, where Ravage gives Megatron the phone. Mm. Oh, and- before that... Uh- I would just like to say on the previous page, the floor of the teleporter, because mm-hmm. I've only just noticed this, is the uh, transporter pad from Star Trek The Next Generation and Voyager as well. Uh, we've got the big circle and the little circles around it. Oh. It's a uh, Star Trek transporter. It's on a smaller scale. But actually, no, I suppose that's a full-size one because uh, the transformers are bigger. See, I would have thought that was, that was the teleporters from Duke Nukem 3D. No, they might be based on the, start, uh, the Next Generation one as well. It's a Season 5 onwards version of uh, the Next Generation Transporter with the black lines around the circles. That's, uh, but we're added for Star Trek VI. But uh, they reuse the set in that film. See, it's full of useful information. Awesome. <laughs> you want to talk about the space phone, Tom? <laughs> Tom? <laughs> I don't know if I do anymore. Um, yeah, space phone. So, uh, I'm just trying to figure out what, like, what Ravage's motive is to get Megatron. Is it to stop Ton? Oh, I thought so. I just thought Ravage is sort of going, this is ridiculous. Can't you just have a chat with him and try to figure it out? We're all on the same team here. Can't we just not have this? Okay, yeah, that makes sense. But a lot of people thought that Ravage was finding him the phone to ring Soundwave. And it's like, that would make no sense whatsoever. Yeah, what's... Well, well. No, no, we, we do learn in the next issue that people will hand other people phones without being clear who they want them to call on it. <laughs> it could be somebody else. He's like, phone terminus, his number's actually in here. You can have a chat with him. <laughs> yeah, man, the guy's just waiting for you to call. Just wants to hear you uh, say sorry. It is lucky that uh, the Decepticon jamming of all communications didn't affect that phone. <laughs> Imagine if it took three weeks for that call to get through to Tars. <laughs> oh, I'll have to just wait for him to get back to me now. It's just so slow. Oh, and it's not just any any phone. He gets through to Tarn's private number. I lo- yeah, I with, love which it. looks like a looks like a a, a, a razor. It looks like a shaving. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It's got like little blades on the end. Everything has to be pointy. <laughs> But um, I'm, I'm so, God, I'm so excited that we have Decepticon moments in these issues. I've missed the Decepticons, like, interacting with each other. The scavengers don't count. They're too silly. I just want to say, you know, have they've got the map there that they're all looking at. You can, it's actually the, it's the real terrain. So there's, like, a valley in the middle, and you've got sort of hills and mountains around it that then Ravage uses to creep up on the Decepticon camp so it's it's uh, it didn't click the first time I saw it but uh, yeah it's an actual map oh, that's a good what, spot what yeah. is, is why if only one person has his phone number he's still bothered to carry his phone about with him <laughs> <laughs> that, that's time that's time he's waiting for it he, he's hoping he's hoping he's gonna get the call Tarn here makes the exact same mistake Rodimus does. He ignores the Cyrus. Oh, jeez. Ah. Yeah, so he does. Mm. Silly fool. I expect Megatron ran out of patience with him months ago. Well, he did, <laughs> and then he got over it. <laughs> yeah, when his drugs kicked in. 
<laughs> I, li- I, I, I like how Nichols at the big table, mm. you know, helping. She can't actually see it, I think. Uh, it's too tall for her. It's, uh, she's, she's admiring the legs of a table. <laughs> it's called an atrium. No, no, it's definitely a storm shield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that that's more humanizing I think than the uh the whole thing with the pet mm, coming up. I agree. It's uh I mean, we, we talked in Sins of Records about how proud Tarantulas were like a, a depressing ex couple relationship. But Tarn and Megatron are heading that way as well. <laughs> it's, uh, why don't you love me anymore? Just people change. No, they I didn't change. Change. What we should do is set Tarn up with Tarantulas. <laughs> made for oh, one another. That would be very sweet. <laughs> just moan about their exes all day. <laughs> <laughs> um, an aside here, a very random aside. Um, like everything else we've been saying. <laughs> Sorry, go. Even more random. We, about Tarn underestimating Tim Rodimus because he's killed them all before. The difference between then and now, I mean, other than the fact that there is far fewer of them here, is that they still have Rodimus and they have Megatron. And a flashback to the reason why Drift took the fall for Rodimus uh, when he, in the Sound of Breaking Glass, the extra story, he says specifically because I think you really need to be there. I don't think we're going to do this without you. I think it kind of plays into that a little bit. Oh, that the reason why they're not gonna the DJD aren't gonna win this time is because those two guys are there and not yeah not the other yeah okay that's what made the difference between the Lost Light two and the Lost Light one was that Rodimus died very early on anyway so we know something's up there he does make a difference somehow God knows how and run uh, uh, yeah. you never know good point velocity might be the one to make the difference she might do something really useful it <laughs> um. The space scooter actually has space scooter written on it. It wasn't the sarcasm of one of his parts. Uh, somebody said it looks like an Amara toy, but uh, the, the scooter one. I think it's a, a GoBot. Not that I know my GoBots, but. No, it's a GoBot. It yeah. yeah. Yeah, wasn't there a GoBot? You'd think of Amara toy in a Transformer comic now. Uh, I tell you what, if you ask for the DJD to build a temporary base. They build a base, considering they only planned it to be there for a few hours, that's a seriously well-built fortification they've got going on there. Yeah, I love this design. It's such a cool little, like, it's just something straight out of a computer game. But, mm. like, yeah, that's it also feels a bit, ah, uh, God, yeah, that's coming back to me. There was, like, a MicroMaster base, which was a helicopter that turned into a big, weird thingy. Looks a little bit like that. I like that they've just got this stuff lying around. They can just set it up at like a moment's notice. It makes sense. They've been at war for four million years at the galactic scale. You know, they will have that kind of capability and um, it's all like second nature by now. Yeah, just like you wouldn't not mm. do this. It's a, it's a massive uh, radar dish we have to put up since radar had his spine ripped out. <laughs> so we can't <laughs> make do with one of those instead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just quite like imagine, particularly the DJD with the ones really going for having, because obviously the Sarsis people just want to get in and out. So they would have had to do the work building this and setting it up mm. whilst being ordered about by the DJD, but not enjoying doing it at all. So can't we just go kill them? Why do we need a helipad? Come on, let's get Stop. our guns out. Some of us are helicopters. <laughs> um, Skid's a statue is creeping me out there. 
Uh, yeah, it seems very, it's very deliberate. Mm. Very, very interesting there. We get a skid statue. I love the joke that, that Ten is camouflaged because he's got all the grotesque uh, <laughs> flowers on him. And that Ravage respects that he is camouflaged. Like, ah, you know, you, you, you're well prepared for this mission, but you're not very good at what you're doing. <laughs> well, you know what you are good for? <laughs> yeah. This is a great bit. A few people were angry at Ravage here, but... Well, he's, being, he's basically trying to kill someone. But he's doing it voluntarily. It's not like Ten is being tricked into it. He just goes for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it sort of reads differently having that red 52 because it does look like Ravage is going, he's betraying him and stabbing him in the back. You can't imagine what else he would have said, you know. You just stand there for a second, I'll sit here and watch you. Clearly, that's not what he told him. <laughs> Either Ten is stupid or he's not stupid. And I don't think he's stupid, so he realised what he was doing. Hmm. And, uh... But I, I see this Arvacy's uh, multiple eyes have really took off with a red guy who's uh, firing away. I don't know if that's another victory character. But he's got the multiple eyes as well. It's like, we just gotta look like the boss. And Megatron's plan is to surrender, because that worked out well for him last time. And the time before that, it's what he's probably hoping it would be like that. It would be like chaos theory. Yeah, you'll I'll surrender. We'll have a chat. Yeah. Uh, then I'll just sort of randomly escape somehow. <laughs> I'll meet you at the monument to my war crimes. Which must have been inconvenient, Batar. That was quite a slog because it's in so massive field. <laughs> Can we not meet somewhere a bit closer? It's <laughs> more convenient. Um, okay, here's the thing, right? Megatron has to take the scooter to get there. Why? Hmm. We've never seen him transform. But he looks like a tank, doesn't he? He does. So why doesn't he just transform and get there? Well, I guess for the plot, he needs to be able to move under somebody else's power to escape. It's nah, It's too random. It's There could have been something else. I think it's where he, with a fool's energy on, he wouldn't be very fast in vehicle mode. The scooter's actually faster than he is. He'd be slower than a scooter. Yeah, so if he did anything naughty and tried to escape from Rodimus, maybe I'd capture him easily. <laughs> I don't know. I think there is something going on here with Megatron's alt mode or the fact that he can't transform. Uh, this We've never seen him transform this season at all. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I assumed it was just a joke that he's using the space <laughs> It is a joke, but you know, if you had some, if you had Rodimus do it, you'd go, that doesn't make much sense. So why is it making yeah. sense here? It is a joke, but only because you've never seen Megatron actually drive himself anywhere. But why wouldn't he? Mm. Yeah, yeah, it may it may come up. I mean, I'm guessing what's going to happen is that they're going to need to put him back on fighting form, mm. and that then we'll see him transform or whatever. I love the, the excellent trolling of the whole Who is Tar Brigade. Hmm. We've worked, let's take off your mask and talk face to face of Ace. No, I'm not going to do that. So, you will never find out who I am in this comic. Oh, but it's a great line, that. This is oh, my yeah. face. Yeah, this is my face. Yeah. I wear the mask. For, no, the mask does wear him to misquote the man of the mask. I'm a man of many references. It's not just all terrible TV shows. Classic literature as well. <laughs> oh, a drawing a trailbreaker. <laughs> uh, my mate. 
contributions for the next page. So 10 is getting a pummeling there. Uh, things are really not looking good at all. He really takes a lot of hits. And then everyone realizes he's gone and uh, they notice he's left them a little something. It's a drawing of trail cutter. Strange vacuum cleaner looking thing plus blue flowers equals trail cutter or force field rather. It, it's Probably a distillery saying, make me some booze, like Pelka to like to drink out of his flowers. <laughs> it works on so many levels, that drawing. <laughs> uh, you were sort of saying about how Rodimus' leadership might be what gets him out of there. Ignoring Ted like a sitcom character, not Rodimus' best judgment call ever, considering they've established she's quite intuitive and intelligent. He uh, should have, like, perhaps paid him a bit better attention. I don't think he'd have ignored anybody else quite like that. Yeah, there, there may be a comment about disability there as well, because Ten can't really express himself very well, and it's very easy to ignore people who can't express themselves the same way that you're used to expressing yourself or other people express themselves. And Rodimus is ignoring him. For that reason, he doesn't think he has anything to say because he's not saying it fast enough or the way he expects him to say it. I, I, I get I get the sense. My girlfriend works with like disadvantaged and disabled kids, and I've read that Roberts does a bit of volunteering along the same line as well. And I can see little like kind of bits with the scavengers, and um, especially bits with ten that that may be informed by that. And I think you're you're, you're bang on, Marion, with yeah, people who who have limited communication trying to tell you something. Mm. And uh, I'm sure he's well aware or has seen somebody or has himself, uh, yeah, kind of not quite, uh, not quite allowed himself to see what, what's being said. Mm. And I'm not saying this necessarily as a big minus on Rodimus's side either. I think it's human that you are in a very strange situation and you're not thinking clearly, your patience is running out and you just, you know, don't have the time for it. But in the position that Rodimus is in, he should be doing a bit more than that. But we know he's a crap leader, so we're not surprised by this. <laughs> it's also basic dramatic irony. <laughs> yes, there's that as well. <laughs> so at this point, I'm feeling awful reading this book. Not just because of poor Ten, but because last time we talked about... Um, more than meets the eye, I was very suspicious of Ten. I was like, I don't know why he's there. I think he might be turning on them. I, why is he with them? And Getaway's done something to him. And at this point, I'm like, oh, I, the last thing I said about him was so mean. And he's going to die now. And I'll never and take it never back. And he'll never take him away. <laughs> so I'm devastated. Just wanted to show rap how tall he was and look what's happened <laughs> so whilst i'm drowning in my guilt <laughs> i've completely forgotten there's meant to be a last page reveal at this stage so it was especially effective yes i'm on record with not liking these kind of last page here's a character reveal i feel this one earns it because it is you know it's a long absence and these are characters we're familiar with but also that ravage has already said that there was another ship so I, he did. I feel it. I feel it. It's 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 a point towards these kind of reveals, when it's explicitly at the audience and not the characters. Yeah. 
this worked before I read the issue. I saw on uh, Twitter Mario did an exciting GIF. Um, I think that's how you do. You say GIF or GIF? I said GIF. Joe GIF. Okay, so she did a GIF uh, of excitement, and as soon as I saw that, and it was just a, a happy face. So it was. Oh come on! That could have been anything. As soon as I saw the happy face GIF, I was like. I know exactly what the last page of this issue is going to be. <laughs> it can only be the one thing. <laughs> uh, but before that, what, what I like also a big swerve pointed out is that Ted is holding himself very well against uh, a superior number of uh, troops. Mm. I think we can forget what powerhouses the legislators were just because he's yeah. a nice one. Because there were, I saw somebody complaining the next issue. Well, would he still be able to fuck that dog after all the beating he's taken? And I think he probably would, because uh, the legislators are mean mofos, as the kids say. But I didn't have a problem with that. Uh, yeah, he's, a, he's a tough cookie, is Ted. I've had some other tough cookies show up, including Ratchet with his medical pistols. <laughs> with a new design as well. It's a bit more, uh, well, what's that? Uh, Transformers Prime. It is. And Drift's got a new design. And they've they've made an appearance. This is a good appearance. I I was very happy. I think a lot of people had physical reactions to the page, <laughs> like actual physical reactions. I was in shock when I saw it. I started laughing hysterically. <laughs> I was just so happy. A lot of people did crazy things. I've read various stories online. Well, I did the craziest thing. I bought a drift toy. <laughs> Oh, my life. Yes, I bought a Ratchet toy. <laughs> I bought Prime Ratchet. After all these years of going, I'm going to wait for a Ratchet figure to come out. And then I just went, oh, whatever. I'll just buy a Prime Ratchet. But I have to say, I, I don't know if I like Drift's redesign. Because um, Milne has biffed him up. And I like the, the leaner Drift that we had in Season 1. But it, he still... It still looks pretty good, though, I have to say. <laughs> They're colour-coordinated with their heads, though. Yeah, they are. And Drift's got... Um, Milne said on Twitter the makeup under the eyes is meant to be a tribute to Diatlas's makeup. So maybe a bit more to the redesign there that we'll find out about later. Oh, of course, Ratchet would have told him about that. What did he say? Yes, Diatlas was dead. <laughs> he, he sort of died really quickly and embarrassingly fast. <laughs> Uh, oh. fact, uh, after this issue came out in preparation for the next issue you know, we were talking about these on the podcast I read Empire of Stone for the first time just in case anything in it would turn out to be important to their return it isn't uh, I, I quite liked Empire of Stone I'm on record as I didn't mind it it was sort of a Michael Bay style dumb action comic I seem to like it more than Ratchet did because he's fairly dismissive of the foes they've been facing off against each other when he goes on about Genericons in the next issue with an asterisk saying see Empire of Stone as well to make it <laughs> a bit more clear. <laughs> yeah, the bad guys you've been up against, it's really not worth talking about. <laughs> oh, no, but it's been at least six months since then. I thought he was just talking about, like, we uh, killed some people, but you don't need to worry about them. If not for the asterisk specifically saying, look at Empire of Stone, I might think that. But as I say, to see an example of generic odds they've been fighting, go read Empire of Stone. 
Uh, I don't know if he is specifically referring to the gang that we see in Empire of Stone or things that happened since Empire of Stone, since it has been some time. Because, you know, I started saying this the other day, when you said he hadn't read it yet, but Adrift has been going out just fighting random people. Uh, so maybe they got a bit up to that as well. Uh, but in any case, yeah, it's a little bit like, no, my bad guys are better than those other bad guys, all right? <laughs> Well, Ratchet is saying it. Let's not assume it's your first. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> so you wrote Drift slightly differently to me, did you? Well, let's have a go back. Do you know, I have to say, because I've read that complaint quite a lot, not necessarily as a complaint, but I don't think that Empire Stone Drift is written particularly differently. I think I think he's still very much in character. Yeah, I think my, my problem with Empire Stone Drift isn't necessarily that he was out of character, but he was a bit dull. He was sort of all... Ratchet was the most fun character in that book, but mm. oddly didn't really need to be there. He didn't contribute that much to a resolution of the plot line, but uh, Drift himself just felt a bit flat. I don't think it helped that they tried to make the thing of Drift's dodgy past. Again, Ooh, Drift killed a bunch of monks. But we knew all about Griff's dodgy past already, so it didn't really mm. work as a shock reveal very well. No, this isn't the Empire of Stone. Sorry, uh, uh, you were going to chastise me there. <laughs> no, uh, no, it's a fair point. Drift is very... He's having his... Um, he's in his angsty phase there. He's not in his uh, cheery phase that we see in Mother Meets the Eye from time to time. But... Yeah, so the important thing to take from Empire of Stone when it, in regards to Molly Meets the Eye and the reappearance here is that Ratchet went, found Drift, brought him back. Here we go. That's uh, all you need to know in this context. In fact, uh, you just mentioned that it's been at least six months, Tom, uh, uh, which is a point I hadn't realised until it was mentioned about Orbital Podcasts. But I think it's uh, clarified earlier in 51 is that there is a massive time jump between mm. 49 and 50. Oh, they, 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 yeah. they, they come out and just say six months. Oh, yeah, Brainstorm does, doesn't he? He's like, oh, these yeah, not, not in issue 50, though. Uh, I don't think it's oh, in yeah, issue yeah. one, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, mm. And then um, Nautica mentions it as well when um, she's talking to Rewind and says that um, the tailgate affair was six months ago or something. Uh, yeah, months ago. So that, that's an interesting choice to have a big gap there. Maybe I mean, uh, adventures like, uh, like you were saying, like Rift and Ratchet, uh, only just missing each other. Aww. So we've we've kind of moved on a bit to the next one. Do we want to say what we thought of this one? Oh, sorry, I thought we were just going straight through. Uh, no, I guess, uh, what do we think of issue 51 then? <sighs> yeah, I think this is a real height of the powers of the creative team. Uh, I, the fact that this is, as I say, this is like the hinge of Megatron's development, it seems. Um, everything seem it feels like all the dominoes are falling in a very satisfying way, and uh, the art's incredible. Uh, Joanna is uh, really she's really coming to her own on these, uh, and we especially see this the next issue with the sun with the sunset and stuff. But yeah, it's just so pretty. There's not a duff panel. There's there's, there's not a, a line out of place. I mean, that's the whole thing. Mm, I can't remember the last time we had a pure Milne issue. He's been doing a lot of, uh, rather, he's been having a lot of um, people do the inks for him 
for quite some time. He did in 50, and I'm pretty sure he did uh, back in the scavengers issues. Um, oh, yeah. So uh, these two issues, like Pure Milne and uh, La Fuente, real treat, absolute treat. Yeah, that's why it looks so much better. I mean, yeah, in 50, there's those kind of weird flubs and different colours. Yeah. This last page tends to uh, overshadow everything else that happens in the issue for me, but it is a very good issue, really. The, I love the fact that we're getting all the character moments, you know? This is not going to be a, a six-part, huge fight kind of story. We're getting all of these sort of sit-down-and-talk-about-it moments. Megatron's trial, if you will, carries on. He seems to be so far doing well. Uh, with uh, standing up for what he says he wants to stand up for. Uh, and obviously the way the issue ended got me you know, really excited and looking forward to the talk with Tan, which we're going to get to in a minute. I was really looking forward to the reunion between Rodimus and Drift. And um, I just want to find out more about the bodies in the basement. I do have a theory about the Necrobot. Maybe I'll leave it for the, the end of uh, 50, 52. And, uh, yeah, very good issue. Very good issue. I, I think if, if there's, if there's, um, if there's something which, which I can, uh, if there's one thing against it, it's that the mutiny led me to believe that this was kind of a paring down and a slicking of the, of the cast, but, uh, <laughs> with all the kind of, uh, bringing in, a ton more, uh, you know, guys like uh, Ratchet and Drift and uh, Guest in 52. It seems that like I was probably mistaken on that. That just because we're getting rid of Blue Streak and Mainframe doesn't mean we're not going to load this thing full of characters. Because of all the character space, Blue Streak was taken up. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it's worth mentioning that last time we all guessed that the rest of the story would have us between the Necro World and the Lost Light. Mm. And this story, um, and, and the 52 as well, I think now we are definitely not getting that at all. So it subverted expectations. Yes, yeah. that's uh, what I uh, was going to say. Uh, about when reading this issue, introduction of the, however it ties into that aspect of the Scavenger's plot, uh, that thing from the Scavenger's plot uh, made me start to think that we wouldn't be seeing the Lost Lights again in this story because there was already a lot going on. The introduction will be getting in issue 52. Pretty much, I think we won't see the Lost Lights again until the final issue, where there'll be a, a tag page or set up something for season three. And I think season three now will be the, the hunt for the Lost Lights. Conveniently, uh, everybody being separated from the Lost Light now means they can take part in the Titan War story that happens in between if they have to go back to Cybertron to get a new ship or, to get, or something. So that, that could work out well for them as well, because we're all looking forward to Titan Wars. Uh, as for the issue itself, yeah, I thought it was uh, very well paced. Like, like Mario said, everybody got their beats to be character and show. Uh, except maybe Velocity and Nautica didn't. They had to share a, their scene with Swerve, really. But at least they, 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 they get something in 52 when some of the others don't. Uh, Everybody else really gets an instinctive character moment uh, that only they could do. Uh, and also shows how much they've grown and changed over the series as well. You know, Ultra Magnus wouldn't have behaved like that even at the start of season two, where he's evolved. And it's, 
it's showing how far most of them have come. Maybe one of us is still stuck a bit in his uh, prior character, but it might be a thing with him that he doesn't ever really change that much. But yes, liked all that. Uh, wasn't the issue I was expecting it to be, but it was different in a good way. And it was a really strong, solid issue. Mm, interesting you mentioning Ultra Magnus because he's being a lot less proactive than he was in Dying of the Light. Sorry, in... Um, remaining Light. In Remaining Light, thank you. Where he's central to the solution of that story, whilst here he's deferring to Rodimus. Ah! Yeah, built up a bit more trust. Oh, um, hmm, I don't know. Maybe lost... He's love-struck, just like, oh, Megatron, you'll come up with that. Yeah, I think it's like he doesn't feel he needs to do something. Or, I don't know, loss of confidence. His armor is destroyed, I guess. But he didn't have his armor at all at the, in um, Remaining Light, for that matter. So he feels like a different character for some reason. He's just become too relaxed. <laughs> the Galactic Council were right. He needs to toughen up again. Issue 52, we are back in the middle of the action. Because we jumping ahead. We've talked a bit about the Ratchet and uh, drifting in 52 i do like how it, it's retroactively showered to be set up beforehand as well that they turned up even beyond the mention of a ship in the last issue where the things previously that were setting up from coming back but we didn't realize were setting up from coming back like first aid's phone uh mm. wasn't what we thought it was that, that was quite nice because uh, it means it's logical but even if it wasn't completely obvious that it was being set up there that makes a banter there's a very impressive panel on page two where Drift jumps back and does that backflip, deflects some shots and lands. Hmm. While Ten gets some more shots to the face. That line, you know, that smart-ass uh, Drift, kind of like, how about I do this instead? That is a lot more Empire of Stone Drift than it is Wotham with CI Drift. Hmm. <laughs> He's been sullied. Kaon is not happy that the pet's been attacked. He's not happy at all. Yeah, it's, it's, I did it like Tard uh, says later on. I didn't realise he loved that pet so much. We get a lot of like tender moments between them. He likes petting the pet, and yeah, and he's hugging the pet. I think when he's attacked by Tyrest's kill switch after he recovers. We've we've had background to this. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, I saw a couple of people complaining about this sequence, saying, "Oh." Ted's too powerful, punch of a better house, which, as I said before, I disagree with. Now, weirdly, I saw people complaining that the ship rescued of them was a bit too convenient, even though that was properly set up last issue. So I'm not really sure why people complained about that. The other complaint was that people thought the pet was too convenient a way of them getting out of there, that they would all just not shoot. All the Desarvis' troops would have just shoot them, that they would care about this Turbo Fox. Uh, I think it just about works for me, though, but uh, how do you feel? The interesting thing is that Kaon is in charge here. Tarn specifically says in the previous issue that Kaon has set up camp. Mm. So it makes sense that if Kaon gives an order to do something, others would at least momentarily follow that order, even though it's being questioned by Helix to his face. So I, I can accept that. And there is follow-up. It's not just in a vacuum, a convenient escape plan, and then we forget all about it. 
Right? It leads up to something. Yes, we got... That to me makes sense. Paul gets told off for it later on. He does. So it's uh, a proper military discipline, actually. Yes, which we very rarely see <laughs> with uh, Transformers. So maybe that's what was confusing people. They're actually <laughs> obeying orders. You don't do that in Transformers. What's what's going on? It's all wrong. Yeah, and also the, like the whole. I mean, again, it, it's flagged up by Overlord later. But the whole thing of the DJD is that they trade on their reputation, mm. and that the reputation isn't particularly solid. Also, like. Uh, I do like it that Ratchet is just about to be killed here. Like, he's right. He's being shoved into um, Helix's tummy. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think I think they put up a good enough fight here, and that it was Drift being clever. If only he thought to do that on the, the first Lost Lights, he would have saved himself a lot of pain. Go for the dog. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good scene, and the, the setup for the ship, like we said earlier. Ravage has already pointed out that there's a ship nearby. And Ravage piloting the ship is the best thing ever. <laughs> Very big swords. Have you guys seen all the gifs with Ravage's yeah. head on cats online? They are the best thing. The best thing. <laughs> I've seen the one alongside him and the keyboard cat. <laughs> oh, yes. That, that is the best one. But there's a few more. Oh, look, he's got his little tail. His little tail. Thing that... Yeah. Jeez. Bad form on Drift and Ratchet not putting the lock. It's lucky for them that they didn't, but they really should know better than to not take the keys out or whatever the, uh, the Transformers equivalent is, but a security lock. Ravage would be able to get around that. He's a super spy. Now, if uh, the ship had turned out to belong to potential reinforcements, do you think Ravage would have gone back for Ten at all? Yeah. I, I don't see why he'd go back for Drift and Ratchet, but not for Ten. Mm. Yeah, good point. So he's a much nicer cat than anybody gives him credit for. Or just practical. Why lose people when you've only got 17 people to begin with against over 500? Yeah, good point. And uh, he, I mean, he will at least know how good Drift is in a fight. Yeah. And Ratchet's a doctor. You could do with more doctors. Mm. (laughs) Or maybe he didn't even think that far. You know, maybe he just seemed a logical thing to do. Get the ship, go back for them. Yeah, practical seems to be a great read on Ravage in most cases. And then it's the Megatron Tarn scene we've been waiting for for basically two years, is it now? Mm. Yeah, almost exactly two years, actually, isn't it? Because I think you said on Twitter yeah, the other day, didn't you, Marion? It'd be two years since the team started. Today, in fact. Two years today. Hey, we've known this has been coming. And uh, great eye-to-eye staring as well for Mild. It looks like we're even going to punch each other or kiss each other. It's in two parts, isn't it? You've got the first part where they're talking to each other. You've got the second part where Tarn is talking to Megatron with his fists. And then you've got the interruption. But, mm, man, this scene is perfect. What I like about the, the talkie part is that Tarn really doesn't know how to engage with Megatron. But Megatron's just so happy. He's sort of trying to talk him back round into, into being old Megatron. And if he did, you have to wonder how the others would react to that. Uh, Nosaurus and his crew. It doesn't seem that's the most sensible thing to be trying to do at this point. But he's still trying. And he just doesn't... He's not as confident as he might be trying to sound. Which is what makes him snap in the end as well. Even though he probably didn't go there with the intent of attacking Megatron before sundown. He just doesn't know how to react to Megatron when he's like this. 
which I think explains a lot of his subsequent behaviour as well. Mm, yeah, he gets very... He's, it's, of course, he's very befuddled by all this. Tom's a zealot, so this is kind of a... Yeah, I, I think uh, the Losing My Religion song came up, didn't it, as one of mm. the soundtrack songs. It must be a, like a, quite a profoundly spiritual injury he's sustaining here. Mm. And in my opinion, he's right in everything he's saying. Tarn is. Yeah. Yeah, but he does, have a, he does have a responsibility to his old troops, yes. Yeah, Megatron... He's getting somewhere. He's getting to some kind of realization, but he's still not there. So he's gotten down the fact that he's done things wrong. He hasn't quite gotten to the point where he can divorce the good from the bad. So he's just trying to draw a line over everything. And mm. uh, Tarn is saying, if you do that, everyone who's ever died for you has died for nothing. And... Um, Tarn does put himself in there by saying, well, I am what I am because of you. Are you basically saying that everything I've done has been for nothing? Tarn has expressed a concern, or rather... It's, it's an audition and a not comment he makes about the fact that he sometimes closes his eyes when he sees his team torture people. And the implication there is that he's not always very happy about the methods used to achieve what they're achieving. So there is some regret there, you know, no matter how confident he might want to appear. I don't think he's without regret himself. Yeah, and that he's always assuaged that regret by saying that it's for this larger cause. Mm-hmm. It's Megatron, and now Megatron's saying that there was no larger cause. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And... The fact that Megatron can't has forgotten that if it weren't for him, the Functionist universe would have come into play. He's not even thinking he's done anything good. And I think it's very interesting, some of the words he's using, uh, where he says everything is connected. And we did see that in Elegant Chaos, everything is connected. He can't change one thing and hope to make things slightly better. If he changes one thing, everything is going to change. Megatron still has the suitcase. And we don't know what he's done with it. He obviously doesn't have it on him, which must mean that it's still on a lost light, which must mean that the lost light must come into play again at some point. Mm. Oh, but possibly not in this story. I think it's Megatron sticks around afterwards. Uh, but again, Ravage did pull that space phone out of somewhere. He's... <laughs> <laughs> They, there were phones in the fortress. We see a shot of lots of phones. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Megatron has been like going into the briefcase uh, when he's been locked in his room and like hanging out in the Functionist universe. We don't know that the suitcase alone mm. can time travel, but it can be used for things. We know that. Mm. Maybe just it's just a nice briefcase. So that's I'll just use it to keep the sandwiches in. Now it's quite. Quite handy. I feel very professional with it. I I, I love the um, just that. I just love the the fact that he just doesn't know. Like, is there anything you don't regret? Anything would change? Like, mm. I don't know. Like, it's kind of a difficult question, and I'm not really prepared to answer it. The self bobber body. I think that was a mistake in retrospect. <laughs> what I also like here is uh, the more trolling of people who are obsessed with who Tard is. They'll <laughs> talk about what he was before, but not naming. Uh, I think it's also 
Now, what's on one of the other big theories was that Tard was a beefed-up Dominus Ambus. And I think this kind of kills that idea because they're talking about him as if he was a famous or notable conversion, and I can't see Dominus Ambus would have caused a fuss. He wasn't that famous. Yeah, actually, I thought that would be evidence for Dominus Ambus. It talks specifically about that betrayal hurting one person more than anybody else. And... Yeah, there are gaps there. On the other hand... We don't know that Optimus knows who Turn is. So if he doesn't know that it's his old friend turned, then how is Megatron hurting him exactly? Mm. Prowl knows something about Turn. Well, because he uses the he uses <laughs> Turn in quotes, but that all that all that implies yeah. is that he knows it's not his real name. Okay. But um, yeah, a lot of people have been speculating still about this being Dominus Sambus. I think it's out there. I don't think it is. Dominus Ambus for a couple of reasons one of them being the list that Rewind looks at a bit later on I think this is all evidence pointing towards Roller and if it isn't Roller this is all going to be very weird in the end I mean there's red herrings and then there's you know taking the piss <laughs> um, I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pretty convinced that it would be Roller if anybody but um, I, I, the, it was actually the bit where Rewind was looking at the list that gave me pause. Like, oh, maybe it is Dominus Ambus. Rewind's sure going on about this Dominus Ambus thing a lot lately. Uh, wonder why. Uh, but that's it, really. There's not, not, nothing really which, nothing else which is said that makes me... Just to say, the art is spectacular. You mentioned the colours earlier. Mm, with the sunset. It is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. It's, uh, yeah, this looks amazing. And Tom, Tom, you said something to me the other day about Tom potentially injecting something into Megatron's throat. And you threw me when you said that because I hadn't seen that on panel. But of course you're right to suspect this because we had suspected for a while that Tan's gift is not entirely what we think it is. And the way he kills people is not through his voice, it's through injecting something in their throats. Mm. Because that's what that stuff he was drinking back in Elegant Chaos does. It causes spark combustion, if I remember right. Yep. Yep, that, that, that's... And that does seem to be what he's doing. He's preparing for the killing blow of Megatron. He's, he's, got, he's got his thumbs, got his thumbs right there in the jugular. His mecha jugular. Because mm. I thought it was a fantastic show of emotion, that panel. You know, he's so frustrated with him, he's just going to choke mm. him. But, of course, what you're saying also makes sense. Um, it's, it's, it's right at the point where Megatron was talking about chemicals altering your brain. Mm. And he, in fact, he doesn't care if chemicals are altering his brain or not. That sort of, does, that, does that make the, the Energon thing slightly creepy to anybody else? Uh, no, it's, it's, an, it's a psychiatric metaphor, right? It's, Megatron's on his antidepressants and he feels better. Um, last time we talked about this, I was saying that, because you were saying, I think, Stuart, that the fact that Megatron says he's happy is a direct result of the medication, whilst I was saying, well, he's found something to take the edge off that's making him happy, not necessarily the result of what's taking the edge off. But what he says here, I don't care that Prime has done this because I feel better. That's worrying. He should care that this has been done without him knowing even if the result is positive in his mind, he should still care. And that is the first that I've actually been concerned that, yeah, the chemicals are doing more than just calming him down. 
think the chemicals are having an effect which is not which is altering his personality one of the things I'm expecting from the rest of his story is obviously he's in a bad way here I am expecting they will have to give him an energon infusion because he's he's not going to have much left in him and they'll only have normal energon donated for themselves so what effect might that have if he gets fueled up on normal something normal powerful mm. I'm also wondering if a blow the hole in his chest as a side effect of that is going to explain why, if they give him a, some normal energon to power him back up, he would have just used his inbuilt space bridge to get them all out of there. But that's now just been destroyed. I really like how evocative it is that it's just like a black hole in mm, him. It's odd, isn't it? That works on a few levels, doesn't it? Question, right? Tarn says, your statue's still on. I thought that the Necrobot had to manually switch statues off. Oh, wasn't it all connected to your spark signature or something like that? Oh, so it's all, like, documented. So if your spark signature disappears, the computer switches the statue off, you reckon? Yeah, that's that's how I I understood it. I don't recall him saying he had to do it himself, but I suppose if if you had it all set up so it would tell you when somebody had died, you could set it up to turn the statue off automatically as well. Mm, Uh, But I I can't remember exactly what what he said about how he worked at this uh, this point, though, so... But all of this, though, does imply that the, the DJD had quite a long chat with him. Yeah, Tan seems very well informed. Mm, because last time we got told that, you know, they landed on the planet, but that was about it. They didn't care. Mm. Uh, but this implies that they're well aware, which, again, but they've left them the teleporter. Why would they leave them the teleporter if they knew so much about the Necrobot's business? Yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah, I think it's he's... probably booby-trapped. Someone will try and use it, and they will be destroyed. That could be a suggestion, but stop them sending just one. Per- that could be the hand wave if they said that. Hmm. I said they would have destroyed the heroism of all the I need to say. It, it, uh, it just it just struck me right now that Skids' days are numbered. Just with the with the talk about the hollow statue turning itself off as an indication that someone's died. Hmm. Well, we're talking about panels that we love, or I love anyway. The one. Uh, where Megatron's looking forlornly at Bumblebee's auto brand that's fallen off. What's that? Yeah, it hasn't. It hasn't just fallen off. Tan frustratingly pulls mm. it off him. Thinking that's not very well attached. I wonder if Bumblebee lost it quite easily. I wonder if I stick it on somebody else after I'm dead. Drift needs an auto brand now again, doesn't he? I suppose we can pass it on to him. Recycling. He's got one, Drift. Did he have one earlier? He came back with a... Yeah, he came back with a badge. I think that was presumptive of him. To, to measure, uh, if that's like, he can't decide. He, uh, he's an automat again. That's up. I'm going to complain. That's to the official badge authority. Uh, <laughs> Maybe Ratchet has that hat as well. <laughs> he, poor old Ratchet. He has to do an awful lot of stuff. It's... The panel of, of Tarn shooting him is fairly reminiscent of the one of Rewind shooting Megatron. Oh, yes. Good to call. Hmm. I can't actually bring to mind that panel, but I'll, uh, yeah, that would be that would be an interesting parallel. Hmm. Oh, my God. Tarn is Rewind. Have we ever seen them together at the same time? Ah. That would explain why he couldn't kill himself. <laughs> it's just too weird. <laughs> uh, well, um, 
We'll be speaking about Rewind again in a minute, because then it's now it's tradition, it seems, in this story. Every issue seems to have this big one-page surprise reveal. We had Getaway. We had Grift and Ratchet. I don't know who's going to be in the next three issues. It's going to be Farmer next month. <laughs> Tyrant, uh, Star Saber. Scavengers, in Bath Five, yeah. As we've already hinted, I think we were surprised a bit. We weren't expecting to see. Overlord. The return of Evil Bill. <laughs> or were you expecting to see him in this story? Nope. No, no, nothing. There had been no clues <laughs> whatsoever that we were getting Overlord, and I'm not sure that that's a good thing. I could see... Well, I was just saying, one of, my reaction to this issue a lot later was, I bet a lot of people won't like this bit, even though I like it, to various things, which I was thinking I was proving wrong by, because after I looked mm. at the feedback, you see mm. everybody loved this. Uh, but I could see why people wouldn't like this bit from a plotty point of view. It seems, do you need another guy there who hates Megatron and wants to kill him when you've got the Saurus and you've got Tarn? Is it a bit going to be a bit too much for the second half of the story, having him there as well? I suppose subsequent issues will clarify that and what his role is going to be. Yeah, I mean, I'm willing uh, to trust it for now. Um, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I think, like, already Overlord is proving his, his worth, his presence, by making Tarn go insane. I mean, at the very least, providing the distraction for Megatron to get away, that's already, like, a plot point. Uh, that, that's that's an interesting, uh, that's a useful thing, uh, function he's serving. Uh, what it needed, I think, was something equivalent to that line in issue 51, establishing that Ratchet and Drift ship was there. We needed something somewhere along the way saying they've detected something approaching or there's some, some hint something else was going on. Cause it, it's just like, uh, here I am, I've walked here. <laughs> yeah, and, across uh, this field. <laughs> Nobody spotted me, I'm like a hundred feet tall <laughs> Yeah I don't mind the fact that Overlord's turned up at all I think he earns his keep very, very early on um, As you said, Tom But I do mind the fact that he turns up without any warning And that took me out of the book when I first saw him So my reaction wasn't, oh my god, Overlord you know, or it wasn't anything like the reaction I had for Drift and Ratchet in the previous issue, which was like, yes, Drift and Ratchet. It was Overlord. What is Overlord doing here? And it took me a few pages to realize that he was actually there. You know, Tan wasn't hallucinating him or we weren't in some kind of weird dream state or something else wasn't going on. It, it was not well into the fight between Tan and Overlord that I had to just accept the yes, it is actually Overlord and he is there. I don't know if you read Saga, but uh, this month there was a very similar situation where a baddie was about to deliver a killing blow to a helpless character and was distracted by a hallucination of a character who shouldn't have been there. And uh, ah. yeah, that, that does make more sense. That's <laughs> yeah. So I, I think just, so I don't, I'm glad he's there and he's, he makes some really good contributions later on, but his introduction could have been handled slightly better. And it is also, as you say, how did he get, did nobody hear him arrive? <laughs> how, how did he get on the planet? How did he walk up to Tan? How, okay, sure, Tan was busy, but did nobody notice the, Huge ass face sixer has arrived on the scene. Ravage can smell a spaceship from across the other end of the planet. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, 
Tell you what, uh, what is that big radar dish on the Decepticon base actually doing? <laughs> yeah, what the hell is that doing exactly? If only radar had a dog. Yeah, the scavengers would have been able to track him, but you know, from across the the universe. With a thumb. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the Decepticons on the planet missed him somehow. <laughs> it's his stealth tech. He's got. He's got stealth tech. Has he? <laughs> Who knows it? But having said all that, this is a wonderful panel. And I do wonder, because uh, Drift and Ratchet weren't due to come back this season. They were meant to be saved for season three, we found out. Um, I wonder if Overlord was meant to be more of a last page kind of reveal originally. He was meant to be the oh shit moment. And um, that's why we get two very similar things happening to issues apart. I thought it might be a fake out as well because uh, you could see easily how somebody back at the Fortress would be watching and could manipulate the hologram, the technology that's all around them to create a fake overlord mm. uh, quite quite easily. Maybe, in fact, maybe they'll do something similar as part of their uh, defensive strategy because that's all those holograms, that's quite a useful. Uh, that's something I just thought of as well, but they might use it later on. Uh, yes, I did briefly think about the time. Oh, that's going to be a hologram or a trick. You know, it's actually Overlord. Looking fine. Uh, <laughs> yes. Hail and hearty. Right, so we flash back to the fortress after the, the old shit moment of Overlord appearing. And we get <laughs> oh, a wonderful ratchet velocity <laughs> introduction. Oh, you're the the sarpus, the slave driver, the hand thief. Took a thousand years to retire. That's you, and you can hear first aid <laughs> in his voice. What I liked about that interaction is, and a few weeks ago on Twitter, James asked, uh, hopefully jokingly, rather than writing the issue at that moment, uh, for people suggested dialogue for issue fifty-two. Uh, mine was velocity reacting badly to ratchet. Uh, I think it was just a, a, a mine was a complete joke one about her realizing that. All the doctors need to be red and white or something like that. But it's, it's nice she has a reaction uh, and a character moment as well, which she didn't really get in the previous issue, so that's nice. Now, the acknowledgement that they've got two doctors again, and what, what are they going to do about that? Uh, yes, yeah, so I, I really like that little moment. So the Skid's uh, moment with Ratchet as well, uh, but he's happy to see him. And Swerve's inappropriate attempt to tell Ted that they finally be paying attention to him. Which is, yeah, I don't think Ted really needs that line now. He just he probably needs somewhere to lie down, swerve it. <laughs> Who's going to paint the flowers back on? Now, Grotusk is an enemy. Oh, yeah, they're all gone. Oh. And then the much-awaited uh, Drift and Rodimus moment. Tell us. Tell, tell us about this. Well, I think Drift lets Rodimus off easy far too easy Mm. he's being a real sweetheart about it and he needn't have been that nice about it i think it's a sweet moment though you know rodimus is all like look i can talk for hours and you know i'll tell you everything you want to hear but i'd rather you just do all those weird things you normally do that nobody takes seriously and tell me what you think so you think we're all gonna die (laughs) yeah but we get, oh, oh, look, look at that smile. Drift smile. So cute. Oh. 
Okay, aside, when Drift turned up in the previous issue, you know how he's got his big sword that his back sideways now? And I was thinking, that is ridiculous. Nobody would do that, right? Why would you do that? That's the most impractical thing in the world. But now that they're sat down like that, you're like, oh, but if he had it the other way, he wouldn't be able to sit on the floor that way. Oh, it's quite, I quite like it when Milne draws these guys in like quite humanistic like sitting down things like it's, it should be a lot more awkward all the pan of panels and things but yeah it, it definitely reads what had it quite clicked for me before is that uh, of course even though it was Rift's choice to go and he volunteered to how he'd react to find out but almost well not quite almost immediately but not long afterwards the whole group came out anyway and Rodimus told everybody hmm. making his initial sacrifice completely pointless and nobody seemed to care that much anyway that one of us had done it. So he well, didn't need clearly, to do what he wanted. Yeah, they did, they did mind, as it turns out. Yeah. Eventually, they did. <laughs> if I were Drift, I'd be more pissed off that despite all of this, Rodimus still managed to lose the bloody lost light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his sacrifice was totally in vain. Yeah. You're right. So, so when I was looking at the, the costs of proper Drift toys, uh, because what I got was a deadlock version, uh, I was thinking, uh, because I thought, I've got to have all the Team Rodimus. I was hoping Getaway, uh, not Getaway, but uh, Drift would wind up on Team Getaway, so we'd have to get a toy, because <laughs> looking at how expensive they were. So maybe he still will. He'd be like, I've had enough of this crap. I'm gonna hang that guy's better than you. He's got nicer eyes. Well, <laughs> you know, the Lost Light is actually a Drift ship, right? He paid for it. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> wow. I would be doubly pissed off if I were him. Not only was he sacrificed for nothing, I bought you a bloody ship, Rodimus. <laughs> Where's my ship now? <laughs> I completely forgotten about that. So he's being awfully kind <laughs> here, isn't he? I bet he's not insured either. Uh, he, he thinks they'll all go to die. Rodimus does. Mm. Uh and then we're into Brit, um, Overlord versus Tarn, the, the five we weren't expecting this issue. <laughs> um, yeah, well, so I, think, that I think Overlord is uh, being used by James as a mouthpiece for critics of the DJD because they do give, come in for a bit of slack. Of slack? Flack? Well, most of the criticisms I've seen of them from people who really dislike them, I think Overlord makes over the course of this issue. And he's pretty much right in a lot of places as well, uh, which makes it more entertaining. I, mean, I, just, I love Overlord throughout all of this. He's just such fun as well. That he's, uh, I don't really, I've got no personal stake in this. I've ever wanted to kill Megatron. I'm having a great time. I'm not bothered about his defection. I've hated him for years, so it doesn't really make any difference to me, that part. So, yeah, hey, great day. <laughs> Overlord is so amusing in this issue. <laughs> it's the battle of the fanboys. <laughs> this is what I love about this. It's like, no, I, I like him more. No, no, I like him more. No, he thinks I'm special. No, he thinks I'm special. <laughs> you say about Tar being very well informed about uh, the Necrobots, and I do wonder how he's so well informed about Overlord and uh, him being that keen to get some attention off Megatron, because all of that came out in Last Sand of the Wreckers. Yeah, uh, the, the timeline. Really for a while. Because also, it's odd to think that when Tarn's talking about Overlord being dead, he's thinking about the other Overlord that he killed. He doesn't know yeah. anything about Overlord floating in space. That was hilarious. 
they're talking about different things. Tan says, I killed you anyway, didn't I? And Olo says, no, but I survived. But they're talking about completely separate incidents. Because, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it. He's not well informed. They're just talking about different things, actually. Yes, we are. Well, all, all Tan says is that you left and Overlord left a long time ago and waited for Megatron. So he's not directly referencing Last Stand. He's just referencing the fact that Overlord took off. But does he not know about, him want, about how Megatron was ignoring him and that was what got his ghost? Yeah, but that, but that happened over many, many years. Despite Overlord's... <laughs> he had to fight for my servitude. No, Overlord, no. Megatron couldn't give a shit about your servitude. <laughs> I like how he's still caught in the same loop that he was in Last Stand. He's just not moved on at all. Well, he, seems, he seems much happier, though. <laughs> he's really pleased, yeah. And, of course, uh, Megatron just calling off on his space scooter whilst the other two argue over who gets to kill him is pretty much a direct steal from Headhunter in Marvel UK comic, where Cyclonus and Scourge are arguing over Death's Head's body and don't notice Death's heads run off. And, no, no, sorry, they're arguing over Rodimus Primes. Let me get this right, because uh, Tom, <laughs> no, Tom won't correct me. Uh, he's staying limply silent, so I will look foolish when I get it wrong. Well, when, they're arg- uh, when they're arguing over having shot Death's head just before Death's head is about to kill Rodimus, and when they're arguing over that, Rodimus crawls off and they don't notice he's crawled off. Absolutely uh, uh, intentional uh, homage to that moment. Because it's virtually the same, really, even that. <laughs> and then it's Nautica's chance to have a moment, which she didn't really get at the last issue either. We've uh, get to share a scene with Rewind. Oh, hang on. We didn't talk about that you call that a tank moment. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> How can you skip that over? Yeah, that is, uh, that is a perfect bit of action movie uh, zinger. <laughs> Yeah, t- take that third-party toy manufacturers. There's a new Overlord toy coming soon, official, and it's better than your third-party tarn. Um, so Overlord makes mention to being fixed. He has benefactors. Mm. Oh yes, yeah. Um, and we don't know who they are. We don't even know if they're Cybertronian or other. I would suggest other. Hmm. I. Because it's such a, an amazing coincidence he would turn up here at this time, at this precise moment. I'm presuming it's something to do with what's going on with the Necrobot and his tunnel. Mm. And Overlord being here is just a unlikely, admittedly, coincidence. Because mm. otherwise, they'd set up beforehand with Ratchet and Rift. There was a reason they arrived there at that moment, because they'd be of a space phone. Uh, hmm. Call for velocity, uh, which is quite a nice thing. I can't see what it's it'd be just amazing if just by random chance Overlord got fixed by these people and then they let him go to go continue his vendetta against Megatron. <laughs> and then he arrived here at that exact moment. Hmm. Crazy thought maybe the Necrobot found and fixed him. Maybe that's why he was able to sneak up on them because he was underground in the Hollow Planet. Oh, interesting. Yes, I could deal with that, yeah. And I would guess none of his benefactors are there now, because at no point does anybody seem to suggest getting them or any of his other people in to help out or anything. Nightbeat told the Necrobot that maybe he should fix people. Hmm. <laughs> 
That would be very ironic. <laughs> <laughs> because who would be able to find uh, Overlord uh, Lost in Space? When Rewind died, he would have gone over there, gone, hey. Can't well. Rewind. Well, you know, maybe Rewind's there. We'll see. But <laughs> I think that might be next issue's full page reveal for two Rewinds. Ah, we're both here. Oh, Necrobot, we didn't mean fix the face sixes, man. <laughs> Other people. <laughs> but he says benefactors plural, though, so presumably there's a, a group of putting back together. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming it's uh, the, the guys behind the organic pods. Possibly we're working with the Necrobot as well. I suspect either the Necrobot warned them or opening the room trips some kind of alarm, and that's why Overlord is there. Oh, okay, yeah. Right, so we move on and we've got Rewind looking at the uh, memorial to the people who've disappeared. He thinks there might be something to the order of the names and there might be some kind of chronology there. And one of the names that we can see behind his head is Roller, Mm. seemingly Roller, right next to Dreamwave, in fact. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if that was a James or um, an Alex joke there. Um, And Rewind is saying that he's trying to... um, you know, think about uh, what the order of the names might mean. And it appears a roller is at the top. And last time we saw that uh, Dominus's name was at the very, very bottom. Mm. So if roller disappeared four million years ago, which is when we saw him uh, going missing in Elegant Chaos, that would and uh, Nightbeat's name, I think, was towards the bottom as well. And he disappeared something like, I don't know, three years ago, four years ago, Nightbeat originally. Then that would imply Dominus Ambus has been around all this time and has only very recently gone missing, which is an interesting twist. So he's gone missing from Rewind, but then missing again from, mm. from the realm. If there is something to the order, yeah. Well, who went... Is Dominus Ambus farmer? Did he go when he went through that portal? Um. <laughs> oh, he was Tyrest. Oh, Tyrest. Uh, is asking Rewind a personal question, as she puts it, and she's asking what the um, how things work on Cybertron when it comes to Amica and Jura and um, conjuncts and Jura. She wants to know whether you have to be friends before you can be partners, or whether you can just be partners without being friends. And uh, Rewind explains that actually friends is what you end up being if other things don't work out. <laughs> Which is a little bit cynical. It won't be there. <laughs> was that just me? No, it's just me. No. It's a bit of real life bitterness there. So um, it would appear that Nautica has someone in mind here. And uh, she's about to go have a chat with somebody. But unfortunately, as we already know, Nautica's last message would imply that either that doesn't work out for her or something else happens in between. There's no happy ending here, either way. I mean, there's, um, there's, there's an interesting gap now between this, the, the sunset, and I guess presumably they get the, the storm shelter up and they get a bit more time. That's when they send off their burial things, their, their burial mm. notices and, and such. But yeah, are they? And I guess we we talked about this last time. Like, are they reacting to the DJD or are they reacting to somebody else? Oh, I thought you were going to pull out a, pull out a toy there, but represent you thought he was, <laughs> as you all suspected. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on, then we're back at the peaceful tyranny, 
and we get an awesome, awesome scene of pure Decepticons. <laughs> I love it so much. I love it. And uh, the Thoros is a bit alarmed by Overlord being there. And mm. um, Torn is trying to calm the situation down. And the Overlord is trying to piss everyone off <laughs> by telling the Thoros that uh, his boss is a wimp. Insulting both Tan and the source at the same time. <laughs> yeah, you know what the why the source is putting up any of this crap, really, because we don't need Overlord really for this. He could say, "Well, piss off," because we don't. You don't have to hang around. Let's go kill Megatron yourself if you're that good. I love that he's hugging Tan. He's got his arm over his shoulder like the best mates, and that he's the only person who could have possibly done this. <laughs> nobody else would be big enough to do that physically, and nobody would dare actually put their arm around around uh, Tan. And Tan is clearly not happy about it at all. <laughs> and at the worst possible time, Nickel stands up for him. <laughs> Nickel stands up for him, but thankfully for her. Kaon then <laughs> does something even worse. He comes in and starts complaining about them, not complaining, but uh, expresses his worry that the pet is on board and they need to stop everything and go get the pet back. And the uh, Overlord thinks this is absolutely hilarious in one of the finest Overlord moments ever. <laughs> I, mean, it's, I mean, every point Overlord makes here about DJD is right as well. I mean, we saw back in... Uh... Uh, their solo story have them kind of wrapped up in their own bureaucracy and systems and art as terrified as and non-stop as they, people think they are. Uh, mm. I think they're very much headed to a situation where the DJD are imploding and going to end up destroying them, be more of a threat to themselves than, uh, than anybody else. But it's l- sort of logically set up, though. And uh, the chaos death... Uh, we'll never find out what the pet was called now, if it has a name or anything like that. It's, uh... Well, Drift has it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is just the pet, though. Hey, God, I've loved it that much, Fanny. You've got to give him a name. You can't just call it the pet, you lazy sword, Kaon. But, uh, I mean, that's... It's impressive, again, sort of, of the two comics that came out on this day both feature a memorable head destruction. And it's about when he smashes Kaon's head against Overlord's chest afterwards as well. <laughs> yeah, the bottom panel, the, I mean, the actual scene where Tan rips Ken's head off. God, man, man, how good is that scene? <laughs> it's beautiful. Like, it's not that I wanted Ken to die horribly, <laughs> but the way it's done, the way it's drawn, and the momentum, and the. Because you're reading what Tan's saying the way that probably Keon is hearing it. You know, I'm really sorry. I didn't realize you care so much about the pet. And then you had to do a double take <laughs> to realize, you know, th- no, actually the tone was very different. <laughs> I, it's just fantastic. I don't know. This is this is one of the best deaths, I think, in more than it's CI so far. This might be rivaling Ambulance for me. It's the hug. The hug that does it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, listen, you know, I'm really sorry that you told me. Don't, don't say, don't call me a, a sissy. Don't call me an idea. That's thing anybody could say that would make you rip the head off Tom and pops it to head, is it? He's not even angry, though, Tom. <laughs> I mean, you can tell he's upset, but he's not doing it in rage. Mm. He's doing it, he's very calculated. He wants to teach Overlord a lesson uh, about who he is and what 
the team dynamics are here and who's boss. Of course, that doesn't stop um, this being a mirror of the uh, Trailcutter's own death. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keon did rip his spine out and then crash his brain module against the force field, which is exactly what Tan does, pretty much. But the, the fact that he then crashes Keon's head on Overlord's chest, perfection. Just perfection. I'm just having Overlord's expression there, just like, yeah. Yeah, Overlord's. Uh, but I don't, I don't think it's the violence that uh, causes that look on Overlord. I think it's what Tan is telling him. Stop talking big, because really, all you've ever done is run away. So can you please kindly just shut up? Yeah, it's a, it's a great line. Half his life running and the other half sulking because no one gave chase. And, uh, also, Nichols' reaction, who just saw the page before, was defending oh, yeah. Tard. Uh, mm. I, mean, I mean, this is the worst thing Tard could have done in terms of uh, doing it in front of the Saurus, who is re- you know, not killing the DJD under his command, was what got Saurus to agree to work with him before. Uh-huh. It's a bad thing to do in terms of his own troops' loyalty. Uh, it's a perfectly character thing for Tard to have done at that moment mm. in terms of developed, but in terms of achieving his goal, it's exactly the wrong thing to have done. And I think that would be what leads to their eventual undoing over the next three issues. Mm. Mm. Yeah, 100% with you. Death Saurus will turn on him. I think well, that's a given. Thomas wasn't that bothered about killing Megatron anyway. Uh, <laughs> originally, he, he didn't seem to. He's the only one out of the three main Decepticons here who didn't have a civic "I want to kill Megatron" for this reaction to either a surrender or pile actions. He'd be perfectly happy carrying on by himself whilst Megatron was off being an Autobot. So I think, yeah, this is a, a key moment uh, for, for the story. I guess he'll be the one left then. The Thoros in the end. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. I would love to see the Thoros and his crew survive. I think there would be really fun characters to have around. Mm. Um, maybe with one member of the DJD left. I don't know. It's not going to be Kaon. They're making him chair mode and sitting him as a memorial. <laughs> Nicole definitely survives this. So I don't think uh, pragmatically... James isn't going to kill any female characters. Oh, yeah. I think with Nick also, we've not said anything particularly evil. And there's, if she wound up hanging around this office's crew and going off with them, I think, uh, yeah, we, we wouldn't mind that, would we? I guess the other mm. DJD members who are probably going to be doomed by this storyline. Mm. I mean, the Cyrus has been coming across as very sympathetic. He's a bit slow, um, but he comes across as, you know, he, he's more intelligent maybe than, you know, he's being allowed to be. So you, you kind of sympathize because he's being bullied mm. and he cares about his teammates. He was upset that left Kaon and Voss behind. So I think he's out of a lot of them. I'd say he's probably the um, the one that you're more likely to sympathize with. Do you think one of them's going to end up with on team Rodimus? Oh, that would be... No, I can't see that. I don't think you can wipe that slate clean that way. I don't think that's going to happen. Just uh, a spare thought. Uh, Here's uh, something which I mentioned earlier, but I'm very uh, intrigued by. It's just, is Megatron's almost like oily, uh, but just, yeah, like abyss inside of him? Mm, Yeah, that's not his anatomy. There's something else. That would have been his spark. Yeah. And... That's not what you're seeing there. 
And he's clutching onto the... He's hanging onto the Autobot symbol there. Mm. It's not letting go yet. The only memento of my dead friend Bumblebee I have. I'm not letting go of that. So... Where where do we think we're where, what do we think's going on? Well, what are we do? What's gonna happen here? Where are we heading? What? It, who else is gonna turn up? I'm conscious of the fact that James Roberts has often said that this could have served as a series finale. Mm. There are there are a lot of loose ends, so the, we we've still got the briefcase that may be back on the Lost Light or maybe somewhere on Megatron right now, and we don't know. We've got um, the first aid. Uh, somewhere out there, and I'm pretty sure he's going to be making an appearance. Defensor is. Got the Vistitalis out there. Mm. They could be making an appearance. We've got uh, potential allies back on the Lost Light, and we still don't know what's going to happen with that, but that may be a season three thing. And the scavengers. Well, the scavengers we know are not going to come in this season because we know that they're still out there three weeks later. So all those guys, Optimus, you know, Cybertron, all of these guys are not going to be coming in this season. Mm. But then other things out there, we've got Pharma, still an unknown, whatever it was, a grab Pharma, still an unknown. We've got those guys who are doing the experiments and the pods in the basement probably belong to them. We've got Star Saber still out there and we've got TRS still out there. Mm. I think that's pretty much all the loose ends, the big loose ends that we've got right now. And obviously the Knights are still out there. Oh yeah, those guys. Uh, after some of the people who have turned up unexpectedly, I would actually rule out the scavengers, and then it turned out that the three weeks later of this was after they'd helped out here, and that's why they're so blasé when they're watching the messages back. <laughs> so, yeah, it's funny, because we know what really happened here. But, uh... <laughs> that could yeah. out the sky. Yeah, well, don't ask how I did it. <laughs> but, uh... Uh, but I think we'll definitely be seeing the guys from Scavenger do part. So anyway, we uh, we need a name for those people. So we, I can just stop calling them those guys from Scavengers do part. Ever the symbol ship, symbol ship guys, symbol ship guys. That's a good that's a good name for them. Uh, I think we'll possibly be seeing them. And what do we know about those guys? They've got some kind of link to the Decepticons. Yeah, some sort of link to the Decepticons. Yeah, we know that they're not Decepticons themselves, possibly, but they're making use of Decepticon technology. Perhaps even outdated and old Decepticon technology, because the symbol ships we know have not been used for a very long time. Hmm. But they are not necessarily Cybertronians. They're not necessarily Decepticons themselves. Yeah, but as as a... I think that my Megatron taking Energon thing is going to happen because they'd be really mm. at home the fact he's not on normal Energon I think they're going to give him a transfusion from like Trailbreaker maybe with Trailbreaker that'll be a, a callback to that uh, mm. if it's a good idea or not and they'll all volunteer this time that'll be the, the difference uh, and then we'll have some stuff going on with whether that ends up being a good idea or not oh play back the um, the Voss story and the Trailcutter's death story yeah, yeah, I think that, I think that's a good shout. I think that will probably, I think that 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 that's very likely to happen. Are there any dead characters? Because obviously, Overlords are rescued by somebody you fix. Are there any characters we've been assuming are dead? You could turn up and have been rescued and repaired as well. Could well, be rewind, pre- right? Make turn up, hey guys. Yeah, we've got a potential rewind the first. Uh, that's a big one, yes. I, I, who I'd forgotten about when I asked that question, even though I mentioned him earlier. I don't know what that... He's one of my brain there. That, oh, that sounded quite clever on my part, uh, leading into that, but no, I, I was only intentional. Yeah, Rewind. 
Of course, I mean, could seriously turn up and really start messing with our heads and Chrome Gnome's head. I, um, yeah, so I, I told you, Tom, this, but um, after a lot of uh, soul-searching, I think where I, where I keep uh, returning to is the Functionists. Mm. As the people, because all of this is about Megatron, and what has Megatron's biggest achievement been? He held back the Functionist future. And the fact that he can't think of anything good that he's done right now is just screaming out for something to prove to him or remind him what it is that he's actually done. And Overlord's priorities aligning with the Functionist, the Functionist would hate Megatron, could potentially be that. Mm, yeah, we don't know where they've gone. Yeah, we don't know where they've gone. And we also don't know whether the alternative universe guys have found a way to come into this universe somehow. There's that potential. That's what Rung turns into, a gateway. Well, there is the wrong thing and what he turns into, but I can't shake off the feeling that I can't, I just can't, that the Necrobot himself looks like a functionist. His design and his cape are too reminiscent to be dismissed, and it could just be that it is an era thing. You know, he comes from a certain era, and that was the kind of thing that everyone dressed like back then or whatever. The functionist looks like the kind of guys who would be, you know very ceremonial in their in their attire and that kind of of mindset of uh categorizing everything uh is kind of a, a less it's a less threatening less fascistic version of the of the functionists because that's what they did they had the grand taxonomy mm-hmm. this is what they were doing they were categorizing everybody and he worked in archives mm. So he's very vague about his past and where he came from. And back then, before your war and, and things like that, and we know he's very old. He remembers the first war. There's more to his past than, than we've been told. Do you think he might revive? I mean, we see him crumble to dust, which we've never seen anyone He's do. dust, well, yeah. It depends yeah. how good these people who fix things are, or fixing <laughs> things. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, I should see it being where he turned around and go, oh, where's the Necrobot's body gone? And then he walked back in with whoever repaired Overlord. And he go, yep, mate, put me back together. Here's Rewind 1. And here's, here's Tyrex and Ambulon. And all and the, him back together. And all the toys you lost when you were little. <laughs> it's a it's a very vampirish thing, the turning to dust. Maybe all he needs is a bit of Energon. Mm. God. Uh, uh, have you ever been... Uh, is quite likely to happen but it just occurred to me uh, when reading back through it for this is uh, they've sort of set up for that the Chrome Dome is in a bad way from his injecting uh, sort of taking mm. months to recover so I'm wondering if that's set up for him having to do a nasty injection at some point in this story with a uh, will it kill him this time factor mm. uh, being thrown in yeah mm. To say he's off having a little sleep in the middle of his story, but uh, I think there's all sorts of happen. It would be good if this is how Cromdon goes that the the one last injection is actually something he does consciously, willingly, and full knowing that he's doing it for a very particular reason. He's saving people, and he's not just doing it because Rodimus asked him to, and he's addicted to it, and he just does it. I would like to at least see him do it knowing what the result's going to be. He would want to know what happened to Rewind, what what Overlord did to Rewind in those last minutes. He would. Ah, yes. Very nice, yes. He would want to know what, what Rewind said. Yeah, and of course we have the, the extra in 50 
we know that he's not forgotten about Rewind. He went back to see him again mm. in the backstory. So he's definitely on his mind. He probably liked the Rewind who went on about Dominus Ambus a bit less small. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and yeah Dominus Ambus he's another loose end who's mentioned a lot of his story actually so it does remember that's a really heavily hammered red herring but I don't know because they, they didn't mention Overlord at all and he still popped up so maybe it's misdirection with uh, Dominus Ambus uh, there was a crazy idea around a little while back that Overlord was Dominus Ambus but that doesn't make sense does it <laughs> Tarn is everyone and everyone is Dominus Ambus. That's the way that mind works. But yeah, I think uh, I'm not sure how the story's going to end. We've still got to have a really big battle between the two armies that we seem to be slowly heading towards. And I think that'll be where most of the death and carnage comes. Uh, I think the solicitation suggests the last part is going to be post battle. So that might be uh, uh, interesting uh, if it's uh, dealing with the fallout last issue of the season. But uh, yeah, and I don't know which way Megatron's going to go either. I can't. Whether, hopefully, as long as it's not the oh, the fuel's making him good and he's really evil, uh, sort of address the fuel issue and uh, whatever effect it's had on him, but don't use that as a cop out. That would be nice. And what I would expect as well. But yeah, not sort of not very specific ideas about what might happen, but sort of the overall plot is uh, quite hard for me to guess at this point. Do you think uh, Megatron's going to leave Team Rodimus in in the final? You know, do you think it's going to in season three? Do you think Megatron's still going to be in it? Yes, I do. I think Megatron's going to come to some realization at the end of the season that's a bit better than just I want to be an Autobot now. I think he's going to do something different. I think he'll stick around. Uh, I think he might go as far as saying I don't want to be an Autobot. I just want to be something. I don't want to be a Decepticon. I want to do right want to do something else hmm. which would make him start sounding like optimus prime when he went through his all <laughs> i'm not i'm not anything phase is that time we set out something good i did it first uh hopefully with a bit less moping in the megatron's case <laughs> yes uh i think if season three is them chasing after the lost lights it's megatron will still be aboard yes as one of this team i think it's likely everyone else will think they're dead again. Mm. Uh, I don't think they'll have any establishment. Oh, but well, Titan's Return is crossing over with more meets the eye, isn't it? That could be the fly of the ointment there. Mm. Yeah, that's I'm just for my own theory, mid-sentence. My, I, I would suspect it's unlikely they'll, uh, they'll get back in touch with Cybertron and maybe the crossover will happen in some other way. Mm-hmm. No, the crossover could happen with the, with the, with the mutineers. <laughs> that would be just awesome yeah. we've got to help with because I'm getting away and I have a new toy in this part of this crossover so I'll come to hang out with you guys Where, where's everybody else get away oh. oh they had to go away to do a thing no, no worry Optimus mm. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, right so Tom what did you think of this issue uh, I, th- I, I think this this whole plot line is incredible. I, uh, the Overlord bit had no right to work as well as it did, considering it's, it's, it's a bit of an ass pull. But I really appreciate 
uh yeah the 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 djd just kind of falling apart in front of our eyes um for because they have nothing really to fight for anymore and that guess that that's what everyone's kind of struggling with like what are they fighting for the autobots are very clear even megatron's quite clear of what he is trying to do but these guys are just left without kind of a, a coherent philosophy to to align themselves around um, I'm sure I'll be surprised on all these Dominus Ambus and Tarn and Necrobot reveals. Uh, it's a lot of fun to think about. And I'm really glad that Milne's doing Ozone inking and that Joanna is on super top form. And I really hope that they set more stories at specific times of the day. <laughs> Though as it's on another planet where you don't know the rotational speed, it, it's basically meaningless. Mm, but... Um... Yeah, something that clicked for me very recently, the dying of the light is a reference to the sunset. So that is being done beautifully through the colors and the storytelling. I agree with everything Tom said about the whole storyline. I did say at the end of issue 51 that I really dearly wish the whole of issue 52 was just people talking. And I feel like I go very close to that. And I, I actually had an action scene that I liked on top. So that was bonus. Two, surely, with Drift. Oh, yeah, but that was just, yeah, I don't know. That was just too busy and too... That was fine. It was okay. It was too busy admiring his smile. <laughs> Later on, yeah. But the uh, Tarn Overlord, that was a good fight. I thought issue 51 was an easier issue to sum up in isolation. I think this one will depend a lot retrospectively on how Overlord is used in the next three issues. And how a couple of other things play out. Uh, but generally, though, even though it's very much a bridging issue in introducing these new, uh, these new spinning plates for the finale, yes, very much enjoyed it. Liked Overlord more than I was expecting to after that first page. If, as Tom, like Tom says, it's an ass pull, but it shows that James Roberts' ass has more things in it than other writers. Uh, I want that to be the cover quote on the trade. So, yes, uh, very much like that. At least until I got to the letters page. And at the Manchester signing, James told me my letter was going to be the issue 52 letters page. And it's not. So that's zero out of ten for me. Because my letter will be way better than any of these people who like the comic. Mine was just a joke. You want to take the piss out of it. Why do we go for ones saying nice things instead? Boo! It's, it's what I say. Aww. <laughs> I was promised. And on that note... Uh, to, to wrap up then and say goodbye, uh, if people would like to give out their Twitter handles and anything that uh, they would like other people who are listening to look at. Marion? I'm more on Twitter. Um, that's double M-O-R-T-A-H. Uh, click on the link on my Twitter profile and that'll take you to loads of my websites and then you'll see pretty pictures of toys. Tom? Um, I am Tyrone McNally on Twitter. That's T-E-R-O-M-E. McNally, like the maps... Um, I am right now just about to launch uh, the second book of the Saga of the European King, which is a, a sort of a love letter to franchise fiction, kind of more on the He-Man camp than Transformers camp. But, uh, you know, I'm sure, sure there's some cross sell there. It's a fiction, serial, comedy, fantasy. And I, I believe there's a special audio episode recapping the first season for people who haven't listened to it yet. He's a bit old. Oh, Stuart, you've been paying such such close attention. Thank you so much. Yes, uh, it, um, the first book is about three hours long. If you just want to wet your whistle for what is to come, and then I've managed to sum it down in about 11 minutes. 
and I am at Inflatable Dalek, and as well as my website, uh, Solar Pool at Weebly, no, solarpool.weebly.com. You'll find me looking at an issue of a British weekly Transformers comic every week. You can buy my book from Amazon and other websites. Lulu, I get more money from, but you know, Amazon probably where most people go to. Uh, which is the first third of our project, uh, looking at British comic. And I've just sold a f- short story professionally to an anthology that's coming out later in the year. I've already mentioned that. Uh, it's going to be called Fitted In uh, for Mad Scientist Journal. So everybody look out for that. I don't know when it's coming out other than within the next 18 months, because that's how long they brought rights for story for. Uh, I only mention it now because so many people to me over the years have said, when I've criticised some people have gone, ah, I'd like to see you try and do better. Well, now you can. And notice the word there is try. I don't guarantee that it is better. <laughs> Not that yeah, how, how much stuff do you have in your ass, Stuart? Uh, 850 words, I think you worked out as. <laughs> oh, I am a headless horseman who, who has a mobile phone. That's what my story's about. Well, you have to buy it to find out more. <laughs> On that note... Uh, main, just read the first sentence of the last sentence. Everything in between is just rubbish. <laughs> On that note, we will see you all soon. Uh, do take care and uh, you know, look after your pets. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>